Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray over the Word. Lord, you sent the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Lord, so we, we have direct access. Your word says that, that as believers that you were going to write the law on our hearts. Everything that is contained within it is written on the inside of us in Jesus Christ. So just, just open our hearts and let it pour out from us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. I got to start out by saying that I love all of you. When the pastor says he loves you, you better, better pull your toes back under your chairs, right? They're getting, yeah, they're getting ready to get stepped on. Yeah. Doing good, yeah. Uh, thank you, I appreciate that. You know, that, that scripture that says that, what I told you earlier was that you know, that God turns everything for the good. You know, the enemy meant it for evil, but God turns it for the good, that those that love him, you know. And we love, we love Jesus here, and, God, and he's just going to turn all what the enemy might try to tangle us up and put us down, he's just going to turn it for the good, right? It's going to be an opportunity this morning to, to learn and to grow. Um, something that I've been doing a lot lately is, is doing counseling and working with people to overcome lifelong battles, in, uh, that they've struggled with for years. And in counseling or in preaching, we might call those a stronghold. And I'm going to be specific, specific, I can't talk, specifically talking about uh, sin in our lives. Because something that God gave me just this morning is as Christians and as mature Christians, we become really good and we spend a lot of time and focus polishing our stuff. And making ourselves look really presentable and really good. But usually, there's a few things that we're still holding on to. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. There's usually a few things that you've, we, you know, I don't want to get graphic, but, you know, polishing stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's still stuff. But we spend a lot of time trying to make it look good instead of, surrendering it to Jesus. So if you have a stronghold in your life, if you have, a, a, or we could call it habitual sin, you have something that, that's kind of stuck with you over the years, even though you've given your life to Christ, you continue to struggle with it. And oftentimes what I see is a Christian, will, they don't experience freedom, so what they do is they say, well, that's just something that I have, that's the cross that I have to bear, and I'll just put it over here on the shelf and not really deal with it. And they kind of massage it every once in a while, and then they, you know, move away from it, and then they go back to it for a little bit. And then it, so it's this constant back and forth, and sometimes it becomes such an a, a area of wounding in our lives that we even feel separated from God and the ones that we love. So that's called a stronghold. 
And so we're going to be talking about that this morning. But before we understand what a stronghold is, we have to understand a little something about our fight. The fight that we fight here on earth as human beings, as Christians, in 2 Corinthians it says, for, um, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, our weapon, or excuse me, our warfare is not of this world. It's divine warfare. So one principle that Pastor Dave and Pastor Michael taught me a long time ago is every battle has to be fought in the spiritual realm first before it can be realized in the natural realm. So our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities in the spiritual places, right? So we know that. So we have a battle that's going raging in the spiritual realm, and then here in uh, 2 Corinthians it says that our weapons are not of this world, but they're divine. So there's freedom to be found in the application of the divine weapons that God has given us. So the key, is no, part of it, is knowing your armament, right? You don't go into battle and not know what you're going into battle with. So we're going to talk a little bit about how we overcome sin, and especially habitual sin or a stronghold in our life, because we all have them. There are three different kinds of strongholds. There's a personal stronghold that you have in your life, a corporate stronghold, and a territorial stronghold. We're not going to be talking about the latter two. We're just really going to be focusing on the personal stronghold right now. Maybe later on we can talk about corporate and territorial. But a stronghold is a fortified place that Satan builds to exalt himself above God's truth and authority. Let that sink in for a second. So I want you to take a moment. Is there something in your life, Christian, talking to the Christians this morning, is there something in your life that you have allowed Satan to set a place that is above God's truth and authority. And, you know, we have to do a little self-reflection here. We, we should be doing that every day. We should be constantly looking, is there anything in my life that I have allowed to take place of my relationship with Jesus Christ? Second thing is, it is a mindset that accepts conditions contrary to God's word. You are the righteousness of God. Did you know that? Everybody say that. I am the righteousness of God. Let's switch that and say, I am the righteousness of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he came, he died on the cross, he rose again, and he's seated at the right hand of God. And, and when we put our faith and trust in him, we are seated in the heavenlies with him at the right hand of God as co-heirs 
of Christ. Did you know that? So if we understand that we are children of God and we are seated at the right hand of God, then nothing should be able to come against that and take us down from that place. Anything that does is contrary to God's word. Anything in your life, anything in your mind, whether it's sickness, whether it's sin, whether it's circumstance, whatever it is, anything that comes against you to try to remove you from that place is contrary to God's word. Therefore, we cast it down in the name of Jesus. We have to become strategic. We have to become smart warriors. You know, I was in the 82nd Airborne Division and was in the Persian Gulf War. And um, did you know we had specific targets? We just didn't shoot rounds out into the desert. We identified the target. I was a forward observer, so I lased the target. <laughs> I shot that jugger with a laser, set in a three-digit code, called up to the, the aircraft, and I said, I've got a tank out in the open. I gave him a description. I told him exactly what kind of munition I wanted. I told him where to put it. I lased the target, gave him a code. We communicated, and the target was destroyed. We just, sometimes I think we just indiscriminately go about our business, you know, polishing our stuff and polishing ourselves and, and worried about what everybody thinks and what everybody does and what the world is doing, but, and, we, and we just forget about the specific areas of our lives that have not been surrendered to Christ. We need to focus a little bit more, church. I told you I was going to step on your toes. <laughs> I mean, I'm preaching to myself this morning, too. Y'all don't feel... Like I'm up here on a high horse or something because I was just chuckling in my office going, man, God, you're, <laughs> you're asking me to say what? <laughs> Reality is we all have strongholds. And we have to fight a good fight. We have to be strategic in our fight and tear down the things that set themselves up against the truth and knowledge of God. A stronghold exists in the soul. So you know that we're a tripart being. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. Okay? When we accept Jesus Christ into our, our lives and into our hearts, our spirits are made alive. They were dead. They were separated from God. They, in their sin, it's just totally separate because, you know, death in the Bible often means separation. So our spirit was separated from God. We were dead. But when we accepted Christ, it was made alive. But we keep on sinning. We keep on struggling. We keep on taking a step forward. And the process moving towards God is called sanctification, becoming more like God, more like Jesus every single day, every single decision. See, but our soul is where we fight because it's, it's finished. Our spirits are made alive, but our soul is what the enemy's coming after because if he can mess up your, your mind, your will, your emotions, and he can make you ineffective for the kingdom of God, then he, he might, you might still go to heaven, but you ain't going to have much of a reward because you were just torn up with all the things of the world. And he might even try to steal that seed 
so that you real, your salvation isn't secure. You're not secure in it. So that's where the battlefield exists. It's in our soul. The soul is really a complex matrix, matrix of experiences, ideas, feelings. If Satan can isolate a specific area of your soul in order to gain ground or a foothold, he uses, he uses all kinds of different ways to do this. Lies, doubt, temptation, and eventually sin to gain this foothold. When we buy into a lie, this is the craziest thing. I can bring somebody into my office and they can say, you know, my mom did this and my mom did that when I was a kid and they did that. And I, I can bring the mom in and sit the, down and sit the mom down and say, you know, she, she you know, explained that you, this happened. And mom's like, well, it didn't happen that way. Because, and then so we got get into it. And the reality, it was, it was really not, it wasn't what they perceived it to be. It wasn't the heart of the mother that created a wound that this, this young girl that I'm, I'm thinking of in particular, um, she went on a path that was very harmful in her life because of something her mother did and she couldn't forgive her mother, so she went down a destructive path and that wasn't, the, the offense wasn't even her mother's heart to begin with. But see, the enemy came into that and the child perceived it a certain way and then they rehearsed it so many times over in their mind that the enemy morphed it into something that was totally destructive and deceived that child's life for years. I see it in counseling all the time. How something small in somebody's life, an offense, a wounding, that the enemy comes in and lies and it becomes a, a destructive thing that leads them down a path of, of sin and strongholds in their life for something that was a lie to begin with. We have to dispel the lies of the enemy. We can't, I mean, the scripture that says don't let the sun go down on your wrath is for a reason. You go to that person and you get it straight. I don't care if you're a child or if you're an adult or if you're a parent and you're talking to your child. If you did something wrong, you did something wrong, go fix it. And, and communicate before it ever becomes a stronghold, a wound, like a, a wounding in their heart, okay? That was for free, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't really on the notes, but. Temptation, it comes eventually, becomes sin in the foothold in your life. If a believer does not repent for a specific area of sin, then Satan is able to take the surrendered ground and establish and begin to establish a stronghold. Let's read that again. If the believer does not repent of a specific area of sin. See, we, we, we come up to the altar, we give our life to Christ, and we say, you know, I, I surrender to you, but then we go about our lives and we still continue to have specific areas of sin that are never specifically dealt with. We have to deal with those specific areas of sin because the sin that you struggle with is different than the sin that I struggle with. Mine might be pride. Yours might be whatever. So we have to deal with those things specifically. And as we put them on a shelf and we don't deal with them, that's an area that we're surrendering to Satan and not to God. 
And it is made stronger gradually by continually surrendering the ground to him. So this, this, is, this is how I see Christians and myself and others living is we have this thing that's kind of on the shelf over here and we go over and visit for a little bit. And then we, oh, no, 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 Lord, I just, I just repent of that, forgive me, I'm moving on. And we're moving on and then we're like, pretty soon, <laughs> we're gonna go on, oh, hold on a second, kind of come over here and, and massage it a little bit. Engage it a little bit. Well, no, no, I can't do that. No, no, no. So then I came back over here. And we, years and years and years go by, and that sin's still there. So I'm going to give you some steps this morning on how to, um, to break that. One of the things is realizing, before we get, give you all the steps, is Satan can only take what he has given And I like this because it reinforces personal responsibility. Oh, I just can't help it. That's just, that's just who God's made me be, or made me to be. You ever heard that one? That's just the way God created me, so it, it's okay. No, it's not. It sets itself up against the truth and knowledge of God. It's a lie from the enemy. We can never accept that, oh, that's just, that's just the way God created me. Well, no, it's not. That's the way uh, sin has corrupted your life <laughs> and your thinking. We have to take personal responsibility. Now, there's, there's a couple areas that, uh, before we get into the steps, that we give Satan ground in. And I, we're going to be focusing on the third one, which is immorality, which is sin. But there's two other areas I'm going to give you. You can write down if you're taking notes. It's bitterness, greed, and immorality. These are the three big ones. See, bitterness is those, what I was talking about, like that girl, was that uh, there was something that happened to me. There was a wounding that took place when I was a child. There was a wounding that I took place in my first marriage. There was a wounding that I took place in dot, dot, dot. Whatever. Somebody did something to you. And then for years and years and years, you didn't forgive them. So unforgiveness gives birth to bitterness. Bitterness gives birth to all kinds of ugly stuff. Health problems. Illnesses. Mental illnesses. All kinds of other things. So that's bitterness. That's, that's number one. Greed, a lot of people that um, come from, you know, uh, poverty-stricken area. I grew up, um, you know, my mom did the very best that she could. She had four kids, single mother, you know. She did the very best that she could to provide for us, and no one knew we were poor because <laughs> my mom made sure our clothes were clean and we had some clothes and some shoes. Now, they might have come from, you know, the blue light special at Kmart, <laughs> and he got them on the first of the month, but, but she took care of us the best that she could. And sometimes people will, will come from that area, and they'll want more. They'll want the life. I'm going to get myself some. I'm going to get my own, right? They see all that 
stuff that's portrayed in the media and all the other things, and they want to become rich and they want to become famous. So instead of learning from their circumstance, putting their faith and trust in God, they buy it, bite into a lie that the world says that I, to be successful, I have to look like that. In reality, we've got to find out how God's created us and fulfill the calling that, to which we've been called. That's success. I was talking with Ethan the other day. I was like, you know uh, what success is, Ethan? He's like, being happy? <laughs> it's like, hey, that's pretty good. That's, that's close. <laughs> how do you get happy? Well, by discovering how God's created you and fulfilling your redemptive purpose. That's success. But greed can play into that, you know. We, we want to be successful. We want lots of things. And then immorality. So there's these areas of bondage um, come under uh, those three categories. So you can just do an inventory. I mean, when you take this information, you go home, you start praying about it, you start thinking about it. Just do an inventory. Which area do you struggle with? The, the steps apply to all three areas. So whether it's bitterness, greed, immorality, whatever it is in your life. You know, said the Bible says that God gives bitter people over to the tormentors. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> do you? No. Bitterness has all, I mean, it's all, it's ugly. You don't want to go there. But all three of these strongholds are seen in uh, servants' actions. When we yield ground to the enemy in one of these three areas, God must turn us over to the tormentors or the power of evil, or the power of evil that will affect our souls. Why? Bible says that that he's going to give you over to the tormentors and use the reproofs of life to bring you to a place of submission so even though you're 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 like tormented for a time that in the long run you'll be saved so that's why he has to give you over the tormentors because you, you didn't let you sent his son he did he gave you everything you know the gospel was preached you had an opportunity to hear it but yet you rejected the gospel so now he has to you Use the reproofs of life is what the Bible says. The reproofs of life to bring you to a place of surrender. And some of us that are hard-headed more than others require more reproofs of life. (laughs) But he always brings you to a place of surrender. That's the beautiful news. He does give you over the tormentors, but it's for a purpose, to bring you to a place of repentance. These are the tormentors, and you guys can uh, just do a self-inventory here. Do I struggle with these, these areas? Fear, doubt, anxiety, sleeplessness, uncontrolled anger, sexual lust, eating disorders, depression. These are, these are what we see in the counseling office more than anything else, those eight. That's what they start with. But what we do is we go back. It usually has a root of three things. Bitterness, uh, greed, or immorality. Because those are the things that set themselves up against the truth and knowledge of God. 
we can spend a lot of time, much time is wasted when we focus, when our focus is placed on these tormentors, when in reality the root cause is a stronghold. So we have to go back to the root. We have to destroy the stronghold. We have to use the divine power that God has given us, and we have to tear down the stronghold that is in your soul. The gospel provides freedom to those in bondage with steps to regain this ground and thus see freedom from the tormentors. Revelations 12, it says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Your words have power. If you've given your life to Christ, power of life and death is in the tongue. And if you have life in you, you have Jesus Christ in you, then you have the power, divine power, to speak God's word and see it come to pass in your life. When you come into alignment with the truth and knowledge of God, there is power there. We, get, we have to begin to speak the truth into your life. Well, you've got to know what the truth is, first of all. Got to read this thing, by the way. You've got to have some scriptures under your belt and know how to defeat the enemy. Know how to respond when temptation comes, just like Jesus did in the desert. Second, uh, excuse me, Colossians 2 says, And you, being dead in your sins and, un- and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to use, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. He nailed it to the cross. See, so when the enemy comes and he begins to lie, you can reject that lie. You can cast it down. And Jesus takes it, and, and he are, he's already nailed it to the cross. He's already done it. He's taken the lie of the enemy, and he's destroyed it. He's destroyed the stronghold in your life. You just have to lay hold of it. We live in this place between the already and the not yet. Jesus said that it is finished. All we have to do to realize it in our lives is lay hold of it and claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. So we live in this tension. You want to be free? Then you got to do something about it. You got you to lay hold of the truth of God that sets it and, and it tears down strongholds instead of the things that set itself up against God's truth. All right, taking back the ground. Here's the steps. Are you ready? Number one, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those areas of stronghold in your life. So you need to get your notebook, and you break it out. You need to sit down and specifically ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the area of wounding in your life, the area that you've surrendered the area that you have set up against the knowledge, allowed Satan to set up against the knowledge and truth of God. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that. You've got to confess bitterness, greed, or immorality as sin. 
You have to say, that area is sin in my life, and I will not accept it. Because what we do is, like I said, is we massage it, and we accept it. Even though we know it's not right, we still play with it. So we have to confess that it is wrong. Number three, claim the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ's blood to wash over that area. And as Jesus, uh, ask Jesus to reclaim the ground that was surrendered. Because surrendering to Satan is an act of your will, then at the same time, you have to make uh, surrendering to Jesus an act of your will. You have to say specifically, I reject that that I used to do. I no longer will do that. And I'm, I'm asking Jesus to take its place. Reclaim that ground, Christ. Reclaim it. Take it. It is yours as an act of my will. Pray and ask God to tear down the stronghold of habitual sin. Man, I'm telling you, somebody's going to get set free this morning. (laughs) You better be writing. You better be going online and people are like, I can't write this down because then somebody will think I have sin in my life. Just polish that thing. This is going to be for free too, but (laughs) do you know the number one reason Christians don't want to get in relationship with other Christians? It's because they're afraid to look somebody in the eye and that somebody else might see their own sin. So we look real good. We polish our shoes and we iron our clothes and we look real good on the outside. But when it comes to sitting down with another believer, getting real, looking somebody in the eye and giving them the opportunity to say, hey, brother, I see you're struggling in this area of your life. You know, I used to struggle with that. Let me, let me help you. See, we don't want somebody getting into our stuff. We spent too much time polishing it for somebody else to get in there and muck it up. Real life change happens in the context of relationships. Relationship with Jesus Christ and relationship with fellow believers. If you can't sit down and take the mask off and look at somebody else in the eye and allow them to see into your soul, then you're hiding. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Guys really hate that verse. Like, no, I'm good. Got my wife, got my dog. Got my shotgun. Don't need no mentors. Don't need no friends. Pastor, just stay up there on the stage. Pray and ask God to tear down that stronghold of habitual sin. Get with another. I mean, this is extra in, in that same number five. Get with other believers, somebody that you can be real with, that you can be accountable to. Forgive. Fully forgive those who have offended you. There's bitterness. 
unforgiveness in your heart, got to tear it down. Specifically, you got to go back and you got to say, you know, Dad, when you, and I, and I actually did this, Dad, when you did X, Y, Z when I was a kid, <clears throat> that really hurt me. And I want you to know that I forgive you for doing that. And I, and I ask that you forgive me for holding unforgiveness in my heart because that was just as much as a sin. That's a whole new step to forgiveness, isn't it? <laughs> it's not just you in the closet going, Lord Jesus, please forgive me, and I forgive all those others too. Amen. I feel good. No. Now, take forgiveness to the next step further. Go to that person. Get it right. Whether they accept it or not. Whether they're a Christian or not. Whether they want it or not. Make it right. Between you and God. Fully forgive. And be prepared for temptation by sandbagging. So, if you have a weakness in your life, you have a, an area that you've had problems with, so you've asked Christ to tear down the stronghold, you, Christ has torn it out of there, he's uprooted it, there's a, a sore spot in your soul. There's an area of weakness in your soul. So what do you do? You fortify it. So how do we fortify in the military? We sandbag, <laughs> right? We fill up sandbags, stack sandbags, build a fortress around it. So how do you do that in the spiritual realm? By the word of God. So if you struggle with unforgiveness, then you learn some scriptures about unforgiveness. If you struggle with pride, then you learn some scriptures, memorize some scriptures, write some scriptures down, research the Bible. Google is an amazing thing. We got tech. I mean, we don't have to be like the super Bible scholars. All we got to do is know how to type and spell. And it'll even correct some of that, thank God. <laughs> Unforget Google. Now, you can even talk to it. What does it say? Google something. It's like, Google, are you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> how can I help you? Scriptures on unforgiveness. Just a moment. This is what I found, you know. We don't have any excuses anymore. Oh, I just don't really get anything out of the Bible. Well, go to Google. Ask them where it's at. I can't find it. Oh. No excuses. We should recite Scripture three times a day. In the morning when we wake up, at night before we go to bed, and every time you're tempted. Somebody just went, oh, my God, that's a lot. <laughs> Every time you're tempted, you should come up, you should come against the enemy. Because, see, now, remember what I said, refer, refer back to the first part of the sermon. When a lie of the enemy comes, you can either embrace it, nurse it, and, you know, regurgitate it and all that other stuff, or you can cast it aside and say that is a lie because the Bible says, man, I'm going to help you out. 
1 Corinthians 6, flee from all sexual immorality for all are sin a man commits is outside the body. Do you not know that you were bought at a price? You are not your own, therefore honor God with your body. So when the enemy comes and you see that pretty girl and you're like, hmm, you know, I know. The word of God captures that before it becomes sin. Because when temptation is conceived in the mind, conceived in the mind, it produces sin. When sin is fully grown, it produces death. So the word of God captures it when it's just in the early formation before it ever becomes true temptation and and sin. Before it's conceived. So the word of God captures it. And you cast it down and you say, no, this is what God's word says. So sandbagging's huge. You want to defeat the enemy, you better be in the word of God. Got a couple scriptures for you before we close. In anger, his masters turned him over to the jailer to be tormented until he should pay back all he owed. You know, Jesus paid it for us. Aren't you glad? There's somebody should be coming out here rejoicing this morning. Aren't you glad that Jesus paid the price so that you don't have to be tormented? That you can walk in freedom. You can walk with your head held high and you can look at somebody in the eye and there's a clean conscience there and that you don't have to look down, you don't have to look away. I, so many people come into my office and in the school district and everything else, wherever I've been, they can't even look you in the eye because their conscience is defiled. But there's freedom this morning. We can look each other in the eye. We can have a smile on our face. And we can be real with other people because we're not hiding things. Psalms 23. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When the enemy says you're no good, you don't measure up, really? First John says, <laughs> if I confess my sins, he's faithful, forgive me of my sins. And he will purify me from all unrighteousness. So get out of here, Satan. James 1. But each one is tempted when, by, and I quoted this a minute ago, his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Therefore, I will not allow sin in my mind be conceived and Luke 4 this is awesome the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him I will give you all their the authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want so if you worship me it will all be yours Satan saying this to Jesus. 
You ever thought about that for a second? There's a reason for that, by the way, that I can't get into, but Pastor David's been talking about it because the authority to rule the earth was given away by man in the fall to Satan. So at that point, Jesus hadn't taken it back because he hadn't been crucified and rose again yet. So Satan takes him up and says, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you everything that you can see. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord God and serve him only. We have to become scholars of the Bible. The problem I see, to be honest with you, is that most people don't even know what's in here. They don't even know what the Bible says. They rely on pastors and preachers and evangelists and they rely on <clears throat> so many other people to bring God's word to them instead of reading it themselves. Look, I graduated high school with a sixth grade reading level. There's this amazing thing called the audio Bible. <laughs> no excuses, right? Word of God is amazing. It can, it can rewire your brain. It can, it can make you, I mean, your IQ can go just by reading the Word of God. It's amazing. It's healing. I mean, I'll, sometimes when I, because I'm a real slow reader, even though I'm, I'm a good reader now, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll get on my phone, I'll just put a couple buttons, and man, Bible is app, <laughs> audio Bible, and I'll and I'll put you know NIV something easy that I can read along with. <clears throat> Open up an NIV Bible, push play, follow along, every single word, reading it and hearing it at the same time. Just soaking it in. Gave you some steps this morning question is are you going to take those steps get online watch this sermon a few times so that you can walk in freedom in the specific areas of your life that you have not surrendered to God yet go ahead and stand with me